But here's the reality. When we question God's identity, then we question everything. When we question our identity, when we question the identity that God has given us, we're actually questioning God. When we question God, then we question everything. In Colossians chapter 1, we looked at this last week, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, speaking of Jesus, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm for him. All right. Look to your neighbor again and say, I'm for him. All right. Verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. By the blood of his cross. And so part of our identity is an identity of peace because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Especially in this world. We need more and more peace. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 139. What we need to understand from Colossians and all of Scripture and Psalm 139 that we're going to read is the fact that we belong to God first and foremost. And we have to have this understanding in our hearts and minds so that when bad things happen, when we face difficult things, and we will, right? If you live long enough, you will face bad things. You will face difficult times, okay? Because we live in a fallen world, we have to know that we belong to God first. And in Psalm 139, if you've been here for any length of time, you know this is one of my favorite scriptures. And uh, it doesn't bother me to keep bringing it up because we, keep, we need to be reminded of this on a regular basis. So I don't apologize for it. I'm going for it. Psalm 139. Well, I'm not going to read it all. So, But starting in verse 13, it says, For you form my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you feel fearfully and wonderfully made? Not all the time. Most of the time, you don't. But you know what the truth is? Is We are. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. We are going to be tempted in many ways down here. 
I mean, we, we just have to have that understanding. We are going to be tempted. We are going to be challenged with our identity. And we have to know who we are in God, in Christ Jesus first. And I just want to encourage you with this. doesn't matter who your parents are, if your parents are good or bad, uh, if they're in your life or not in your life, whether they loved you or didn't love you, and all the other things that the enemy throws our way, all of that doesn't matter in the long run because we're His first. We belong to Him first. God wanted us. And we have to have that understanding. Knowing that God wanted us has to be our starting point every day of our lives, whether things are going good, whether things are going bad. Um, we always have to come back to this truth and this fact that, and, and have our anchors, our, our souls anchored to this truth that we belong to God first. We need to let this truth be the place that we always return back to. You might have had a bad day. Everything might have gone wrong. But at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on that pillow, you can say, God, thank you that I belong to you. They could have said all kind of things about you. You could have done all kind of crazy things. But in the end, we belong to him. We have to start our day here and we need to finish our day here and we need to live Everything in between here. Knowing that we belong to God first. We have to settle this in our hearts first. We have to understand if no one else wanted you, God did. God wanted you. God the Father wanted you. God the Son wanted you. And God the Holy Spirit wanted you. And He still wants you. If no one else loves you, God loves you. God the Father loves you. God the Son loves you. God the Holy Spirit loves you. And you need to settle that in your heart and in your mind. If no one else thought you matter, God thinks you matter. God the Father thinks you matter. God the Son thinks you matter. God the Holy Spirit thinks you matter. And if no one else thinks you're valuable, I want you to know that God thinks you're valuable. God the Father thinks you're valuable. God the Son thinks you're valuable. And God the Holy Spirit thinks you're valuable. Mm. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you will. We have to get this settled first because in the natural things will change and not always for the good. And, you know, I don't know all of your stories when you came into this world. It may have been chaotic. You know, you may have faced difficult things. It doesn't matter. You, are, you belong to Him first. God wanted you. You matter to Him. He thinks you're valuable enough. So valuable that He sent Jesus Christ to the cross. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. We looked at this last week, but I just want to remind you of this because we need this, and it seems like nowadays we need it even more. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
Things are going to change in this world, but God's love for you won't. His desire for you won't. That's what's so awesome. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3. Everything that I said is why we need to put into practice what Colossians chapter 3 says. And we need to put this into practice every moment of every day. And again, we looked at this last week. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Colossians 3.1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Since, if you're born again, this applies to you. He's saying, if you're born again, then this is what you need to be doing. You need to be setting your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And how easy is it for us? To set our mind on earthly things because we're earthly people. We're earthly beings as well, right? But even in that, he says, set your minds on things above. For you died, verse 3, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The world is out to rob us of our spiritual identity and lower our, our identity to just that of the natural realm, excluding the spiritual realm, the spiritual nature of who we are, excluding our spiritual being. When the world has robbed us of our spiritual identity, we have thoughts like this. Now, I'm going to give you some thoughts. Please don't raise your hand. Please, you don't have to acknowledge that this is you. It's all of us. Okay, we've all had to work through these. Okay, some of you may be working through them now, but we have to work through it. And this is what it means to set your mind on things above. You're going to have thoughts that come that aren't from God, and you have to find His for you. So, if you're thinking down here, it's going to sound like this: I'm just a nobody. I'm an accident. Huh? I'm an accident. No one cares about me. You're going I'm addicted to Fill in the blank. I'm stupid. I'm a loser. I'm just a worm and no one wants me. And if you have that thought long enough, you, you, you start thinking to yourself, well, dirt isn't that bad. Dirt and pity, they taste pretty good. And then we have labels that are put on us or we put on others. And I want you know, we all do this. 
Okay, but we have to be careful with them. How many times have you heard, I'm a redhead, and you know how redheads act? Well, how do they act? You know, I mean, don't answer that. But these are things that we're faced with. And we have to be able to rise above them. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too old. I'm poor. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless. I'm whatever. And fill in the blank. And nowadays we have, I'm gay. Then we have, I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'm straight, not straight. You know, an animal, a cat. You know, a fish. I'm married, but don't want to be. <laughs> I'm whatever, and you fill in the blank. These are labels that people have placed on us and, and how those labels have become our identity over what God and who God says that we are. Over His desire for us. Over his longing for us. Over his wanting us. Now. You may be all of those things. Or some of those things. You may be. You may be dumb. You might be redheaded. You might act like a redheaded person. Should I? You may be those things and much more, but if that's what you think about, then that's your identity. And that's not what God has for us. God has so much more for us. If you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. That's why the Holy Spirit through Paul said in Colossians, for us to set our minds on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand. Okay. The Holy Spirit is telling us to do that. Because that's our invitation. To think of ourselves as God thinks of us. And think of others the way God thinks of others. And as a reminder. I just want you to know. The way God thinks about us is much better than how we think about ourselves. And the way God thinks about others is much better than the way we think about others. And so I would rather have his thoughts for you and me than my thoughts. And because they're better and higher, they're much more enjoyable. So if you're born again, this is what it means. First Peter chapter two. And. I think you'll be able to hang with me, but from here on out, we have a lot of scriptures we're going to go. OK. Because I'm going to tell you who you are. If you're born again, this is who you are. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a chosen race. <clears throat> a royal priesthood. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm royalty. Look at him again and say, whether you think it or not. A people for his own possession. 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that awesome? Once you were not a people, this is verse 10, but now you are God's people. Isn't that nice to know that you're God's? You belong to him. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, just, you need to think about this when you go home today. You need to think about how God has shown you mercy. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus. So you're blessed, right? If you're in Christ, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Does he say with some? With a few? It's with every. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know how all of them are, but whatever I have need of, it's there. Verse 4, even as he chose us. You see, it doesn't matter what your birth situation was like. It doesn't matter what your childhood was like. He chose you. In him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, here it is. To be holy and blameless before him. Why? Because he chose you. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. Think about that for a moment. God had a plan to bring us into this world and to adopt us to himself. To adopt us into his family. And we know what adoptions are like in the natural, but we're adopted into him. As sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood. So you've been redeemed. OK, that's who you are. So if you've been redeemed, you've been bought back, you've been paid in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses so you've been forgiven and trespasses is plural it's not singular so whenever you miss the mark whenever you sin whenever you fall short of what God wants you to do you can be forgiven isn't that amazing that's who you are the forgiveness of our trespass according to the riches of his grace. Do you know that that means that you get to walk in the riches of his grace? If you're not a believer, you don't have that privilege. But as a believer, we have the privilege to walk in the riches of his grace. Guess what? That's a beautiful place. And you can either think about that all day long or you can think about woe is me. 
you know, this dirt is fine. I'm just a worm. I hope nobody steps on me. And then verse 8, he says this, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I love that word lavished. He lavishes his, the riches of his grace upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And I believe that this part of the process that God wants us to be united with who he intended us to be. And he does that through Christ and the sacrifice of Christ and us putting our faith in him. Verse 13, Ephesians 1.13. We're just skipping down a few. In him you also, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed. Isn't that amazing? We're sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when we give our life to Christ, then we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That means he's with us. That means no matter where you go, no matter what you do, he is with you. You can try and run away from him, hide from him, you know, act like he's not there. But if you've been born again. You can't get away from them. And even if you're not born again, you can't get away from them. Ephesians chapter 2 now, verse 10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship. And, you know, He started that work back in Psalm 139. He started working things out because he has a plan and a purpose for our life. Where his work, he wants to show us off. He wants to do the impossible in our lives, the miraculous in our lives. He wants his glory to be revealed in our lives. Where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So if you're struggling trying to find good works, find Christ. He'll lead you to those things. Because he's, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 19, Ephesians 2, 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Say fellow citizens. Isn't that nice to know? And, and then he says where we are as fellow citizens, with the saints and members of the household of God. And then he describes this as this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So you were designed to be a holy temple in the Lord. That beats what the world offers. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is working in you and he's trying to fashion you and mold you and change you and transform you and get you to the place where you understand that you are the dwelling place of God. 
And He's going to fill us with His Spirit. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you, if you're born again, you are a new creation. Now, you know what the enemy always likes to try and do? He tries to get us to live in the past. He doesn't want us to walk in that new creation that God has provided for us. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. How many of us are living according to the old? We're living according to the words that somebody else spoke. We're living according to the ways of when we were younger and what somebody did or didn't do. And, you know, whether they loved us or didn't love us, whether they were with us or weren't with us. You know, we, we live there. We don't live in the new creation realm. Where it says, behold, all thing, the new has come. In verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do we understand that? That now you have a ministry? You are called into the ministry if you're born again. And that ministry is to bring reconciliation, is to bring others to Jesus Christ and to allow them to find the forgiveness that God has for us in Jesus. Verse 19, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So you are a proclaimer of that. That is what your ministry is, is to proclaim to others that they've been forgiven, that they can be reconciled with God, that their sins are forgiven. And then he says this, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, if I say therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I mean, he's speaking good of us. Royalty, royal priesthood, ambassadors. This is good stuff. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. What are we ambassadors of? The good news of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ that he offers. And I want to encourage you with it. This is all true and it isn't based on feelings. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. You, you can sit here and you can tell me, well, I don't feel like that. I don't feel holy. I don't feel like I'm royalty. I never once ask you how you felt. God doesn't ask us how we feel. He just tells us how we are. It's our job to grow into that, to agree with that, to have faith that that is who we are. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, please. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> and while you're turning there, I'm, I'm going to read. It's not coming up because they're just short. And I just want to, and you already know this, but. Matthew 5.13 says we are the salt of the earth. Verse 14 says that we are the light of the world. John 15.15 15 says that we are friends of God. Woo! You're the light of the world. Darkness may be all around you. Chaos may be all around you. But you can declare at night when you lay your head on the pillow at night. Woo, I'm the light of the world. You may not feel like it. You may not feel like you're the light of the world. You may not feel like you're the salt of the earth. But you are. 
And when we put this into practice and we allow our faith to rise, it rises up and it conquers our feelings and it overcomes our circumstances. You being the light of the world isn't based on your feelings. It's based on what God has done and our faith in Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. If you're in Christ, you're a child of God. Doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. Even if they don't think about you, it's okay. Because we're a child of God. We're His first. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved. We are God's children. When? Now. Now. Everybody say now. You're not his child when you get to heaven. He says we're his children now in this present age. While you're living, while you're breathing. And then he adds this little thing about it being so good. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Isn't that awesome? Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. When we are tempted to think less of ourselves or too high of ourselves, we need to remember who we are. We belong to God first. We have so many people in the world today who think of themselves as losers and victims. Losers and victims. And that is so far from how God created us and why he made us. You can remain a victim. You can remain a loser. Or you can live victoriously. The choice is yours. You can be woe is me and you can say, oh, all of this is against me. Or you can declare that God is for you. You will decide. And so when we are tempted to think less or think too high, we have to remember that we belong to him first. As we get ready to receive communion. May it be with this understanding of truth that we belong to God first. We are made in his likeness and image. We bear his nature on the earth now. And we need to learn to rejoice in that. And as we receive communion. Remember how much God really really loves us. John 3.16 says this. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, we should never get tired of hearing this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him. That's an incredible love. And then I just want to remind you, Romans 5, 8. But God shows or demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful God doesn't wait for me to make everything right, get everything right, get everything taken care of. He just reveals his love for me even as a sinner. We have to know that we belong to him first. We've got to get that in our hearts and in our minds. You aren't who everybody says you are. And, and God wants to be faithful to you. We read out of Psalm 111 to open up and it's all talking about his faithfulness to us. His faithfulness to us. That's how he is. All right, as we get ready to receive the elements, if you'll just hold on to them until everybody's been served. Randy and Scott.